Well, we're in our series on 1 Peter. Encouragement for the scattered. And today we're gonna take a look at a section that starts in 1 Peter chapter two and works into the first part of 1 Peter three. Before we read the scripture, I'm, I'm kind of curious, are any of you like me in that occasionally you end up getting messages or mail that's not for you? Uh, Cindy and I, many of you know this, we, we just moved into a new house in September and we consistently get mail for whoever used to live in our house. Any one of a half a dozen people actually, it seems like we keep seeing a different name and it comes to our address, but it's clearly not for us. Sometimes it's, uh, occasionally it's a letter from a bank, kind of looks like a bank statement. We go, wow, we really shouldn't have this in our mailbox. I don't know what to do with it. I don't know where the person is. I don't know who this person is we kind of shuffle back through it, stuff it in the mailbox, flip the flag up and make the letter carrier deal with it tomorrow, right? The other times that I've done that, <clears throat> another time when that's happened to me was when I, I got my first cell phone, this would be 15, maybe 20 years ago. I, I, I got my cell phone and the, the number that I had either was really close to someone else's number, his name was Dave, or maybe it was published wrong somewhere. I don't know, but I kept answering the phone and people regularly, it would happen, people would say, hey, uh, Dave, or hey, is Dave there? And I'd say, no, there's no Dave at this number. I think you've got the wrong number. And almost always those people were pleasant. They would say, oh, sorry, didn't, you know, sorry to bother you, and they'd hang up. But at the time I was teaching, so sometimes I'd go hours without checking my cell phone because I was in class. One afternoon, it was about middle of the afternoon, I, I looked at my cell phone and I had a voicemail and I went, oh, okay, somebody left me a message. So I checked my, my voicemail and it said, hey Dave, this is Fred. It probably wasn't Fred, but I don't remember his name. Hey Dave, uh, just wanted you to know, I know you're expecting concrete this morning at 10 o'clock. We've had trouble at the cement plant. We're not gonna be able to get concrete out to you till about two o'clock this afternoon. And I just didn't want your crew and you to be sitting there waiting for us. So hopefully this doesn't become a problem, but we won't get there till two o'clock. I looked at the clock on the wall and it said 2.45 and I thought, I wonder how long Dave and his crew sat there going, no, they always call if they're not here on time. They said 10 o'clock, I'm sure they'll be here any minute. It'll be, you know, maybe they didn't wait long. Maybe they wasted an awful lot of time. It, it's confusing and it's problematic and it, and it causes chaos or at least it causes a disturbance when we get mail that wasn't meant for us. In 1 Peter chapter two and three here, there are several places in this text for today where Peter addresses certain people. In a sense, he's writing notes to identify different groups of people with a different message. This morning, you've got a message in 1 Peter. 
So let's take a look. If you're following along, it's 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning with verse 11. And I read uh, in Jesus' name. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you would silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone, love the family of believers, fear God, honor the emperor. Slaves. In reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they're conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and you endure it? But if you suffer for doing good, and endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. It's from Isaiah 53. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you are like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseers of your souls. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see your purity and the reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way that holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Father God, as we dive into your word this morning, Would you use your word and the work of your Holy Spirit in our hearts to become more like you as we live out a life lived in your mercy and your grace. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So in this passage of 
of 1 Peter, we have several messages to different groups of people, right? They're messages about how do we live? How do we behave? I think of uh, an author, some of you might be familiar with, by the name of Francis Schaeffer. He wrote a book that says how, that's titled, How Then Shall We Live? Right, that's what this is. This is instructions about how to live and how to behave. But we need to be careful, before we get too far in, we need to be careful to identify who it is Peter is writing this to. Whose letter is this? Whose mail are we reading? And all we have to do is move just one verse up into that, that part of the text that, was, that Vern so, brought so well to us last week, First uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 10. And in verse 10, he says, once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the people who he's writing to here, people who have received mercy. And if we forget that, we could, we could be led to think that this was a formula for receiving God's mercy. If I do this just right, then God will show his mercy to me. No, this isn't a to-do list so God will be happy with us. This was written to people who had already received the gracious, merciful gift of forgiveness and reconciliation that God had offered them. And then he goes on to say, okay, so here's what to do now. He addresses in this section four different groups of people. And there's two, there's two principles at work that I wanna highlight as we work through this list of who these people are. He, he writes to citizens, he writes to slaves, he writes to wives, and he writes to husbands. And the first principle, as we walk through this list, the first principle I want to encourage you to think about is this. I want you to read your own mail. I want you to read your own mail because when we read somebody else's mail, it gets confusing. So let's walk through this. First of all, as citizens. As citizens, he gives a couple of, of commands. He says, first of all, be a good neighbor. Verse 12, he says, live good lives before your neighbors so that even if they think you're crazy, even if they don't get it, when they do come face to face with who God is, they're gonna go, oh, it was, it was God in them that I saw that looked so different. Oh. Here's the thing. You're supposed to be a good neighbor even if your neighbor's a jerk, right? He doesn't say live good lives before your neighbors so that your good neighbors will get along with you and you don't have to worry about the others. No, he says, be a good citizen. And he takes it even one step further, not just a good neighbor, but he says, submit to the authorities. Even the 
emperor and the governor. Interesting to me, as I've been wrestling with this all week, it's interesting to me that, that this comes on the week of an election and, and a gubernatorial election at that, right? But he doesn't hedge here. Peter doesn't qualify this. In fact, he not only says it here, submit yourselves to the emperor, but he says it again in verse 17, honor the emperor. Okay, Um, stay with me. Once a history major, always a history major, but the, the emperor at this point in time, this was probably written in the late 50s, or early 60s AD, the emperor at this time is the Roman emperor Nero. And if you've studied it all in Roman history, you know that emperor Nero stands out among the most bizarre, self-centered, narcissistic emperors in, in Roman history. Nero came to power as probably a 16 or 17 year old, came to power because his mom was the ultimate lawnmower parent. She paved his way into power with deceit and conniving and murder. And he repaid his mother with that in that about five or six years into his reign, he had her murdered. Like mother, like son, apparently. Here's the reality, Nero was nuts. He, he was, by all accounts. This is the emperor that Peter writes, honor the emperor. I'm thinking, really? He doesn't say honor the emperor that you think is kind of smart. Doesn't say honor the wise emperor. Honor the emperor. That's how we live out. If we have received the mercy of God, if we have become part of his family, this is how we live it out. Because when we do, those around us see something that leads them to honor God at some point in the future. That's, that's the way it is. They're there for a purpose. And <clears throat> there have been times in our history when emperors and leaders, dictators and presidents have used this passage to say, you guys all should follow me. I don't think we have any emperors in the room. But if you were an emperor like that, I'd tell you, you read your own mail. There are plenty of things in scripture that talk about how to be a good leader. This isn't one of them. This is about how to be a good citizen. The second group that he addresses are slaves. He tells slaves to submit to your master. People have misused this passage to justify slavery. Peter doesn't justify slavery here. He simply says, some of you who have received mercy and some of you that are in God's family, you find yourselves in slavery. Here's how to live out a life 
as a slave who's received the mercy from God. And the people in history in the past who have used this, these verses to justify slavery, they're people who aren't slaves who've been reading slaves' mail. The word slave here actually, if you look at the Greek, it would apply to several groups of people in the first century, people who would have first read this letter. Some people were slaves because they'd been captive in war. They'd been captured and, and, and sold or brought home and, and enslaved. Some of them would have been slaves because they had a debt they couldn't pay. And they're in slavery to pay off a debt. Some of them would have been in this, this Greek word would have included people who were bond servants. A bond servant is somebody who goes to a master and says, I will do what you give me to do if you will take care of me and my family. Anybody in here have an arrangement like that? Where you've gone to somebody and you've said, I'll do the job you give me to do you, if you will give me the resources necessary to take care of myself and my family. I don't think it's a stretch here to say that what Peter addresses to slaves or servants applies to workers who work for a boss. We don't call them masters most of the time, but it applies. And he says, slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters. Um, not just the good ones, but the ones that aren't so good. Now, that means, one of the things that means, that, that means what it says. I'd rather it didn't say it quite that plainly. Frankly, it just would be easier if it didn't say it that plainly, but I, I can't get away from the fact that that's what it says. And I also recognize there might be a time when you have to say, you know what, I gotta find a different master. There comes a time when you say, I can't do this the way my boss is telling me to do it. I need to find a different boss. But in the meantime, one of the ways we live out our life as people who have received the mercy of God is by being a good slave, by being one who submits to the appropriate authorities. Um, and for those of us in here, those of you in here who are bosses, who fit into that category of masters. If you look at this and you go, yeah, those people who work for me, they should be better at doing what I say. I'm gonna tell you, read your own mail. Then there's two other categories, wives and husbands. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna say wives first. I'm, I'm gonna be the, I'm gonna say it right up front. Some of the things Peter is telling you in these passages is difficult. Here again, I, I wish he didn't say it 
quite this way. But there it is. Wives, submit to your own husbands. In whatever way possible, display your inner beauty. Uh, By the way, husbands, if any of you were a little bit tempted to nudge your wife when I read that, submit. Can I invite you to read your own mail? That's not yours to do. It's not yours to make sure that happens. You have, later on, Peter, Peter addresses husbands. He, said, he says, uh, husbands, be considerate of your wife. Some translations use the word understanding and I'm told that the Greek word here means both of those things. Don't just seek to understand, but consider what it means once you understand who your wife is. Husbands, if you're, if we are prone to that old joke, yeah, I I don't understand my wife. If you're prone to that joke that says, I don't get it, women, who knows? Peter doesn't give you that option. Peter says, seek to understand and then Once you start to understand, consider what you know. One person said, I need to go to school. I need a master's degree in who my wife is. That's a good way to think about it. That's the call here. The call here is to understand and consider what it means. Um, By the way, wives... If in your heart you want to nudge your husband and say, take note, I'm going to remind you to read your own mail. There's a second principle at work here, and that principle is this. There's a call in and through all of these four messages. There's a call to die to ourself. It sounds a little bit like what Paul says in Romans chapter 12 where it says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. It's the same idea. It means that myself, my wants, my desires are secondary. I need to die to that. It's a call consistently all throughout here. Citizens, you don't want to obey the governor. You don't want to obey the emperor because he's crazy, die to yourself. Slaves, you don't want to obey your master. Workers, you don't want to obey your boss. Just expects too much. I just, I just don't want to do it. Peter says, die to yourself. It's not about you. Wives, you don't want to submit. Husbands, you don't want to take the time and energy to understand. Die to self is the call here. It's not about you. Living out the mercy that we've received for God from God means that we live for another. 
And in case you're wondering why or how to do that, Peter includes the perfect example. He says in verse 21 through 24, for this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps, that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he didn't retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. For by his wounds, you have been healed. Our healing, our forgiveness, our reconciliation, that comes to us only because Jesus not only died to his own human side wants and desires, but he physically, literally died for our forgiveness and our reconciliation. It's only in his power that we're able to die to ourselves and live for another. Peter says, die to yourself and live as God's slaves. Hmm. Those aren't easy words. But they're words delivered to a group of people who had received this reconciliation and forgiveness who had received the great mercy of God, their words, if, if you are trusting Jesus, their words for you and I today. Oh, may God give us the grace and the strength and the mercy to die to ourselves and live as God's slaves. Let's pray. Lord, this is what we ask. Would you come in and work that miracle in our hearts that we might live lives as slaves to you. We pray in the name of Jesus, Jesus, the one who purchased our reconciliation. Amen.